Hello. Praise the Lord. The Bible talks about um, humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. And uh, I find myself like continually, the more sometimes life throws challenges at you, the challenge is to humble yourself further under the mighty hand of God. And, and, and I find that's the journey of life, that's the journey of life as a Christian. It's not just laying your life down once, it's continually to lay your life down on a basis, on a regular basis throughout the course of our lives. So, um, and I find every time there's a challenge that comes, there's a, new, there's a new depth in God to be taken hold of. There's something deeper to, to grasp. And, you know, um, life is difficult sometimes, but I tell you, we have a good God in spite of what you face. We have a wonderful God, and it's an opportunity to plunge into the depths of his faithfulness. Um, If we can continue to have that attitude of giving ourselves over to him rather than giving ourselves over to the the things that might come our way to distract us, I'll tell you, you'll find such a joy in what you face and you'll find such a peace in God's presence. It is a challenge, but praise the Lord that God is working in us and working for us. There's no, there's no doubt in the, in the scripture, and I love the scripture, it's so plain, it's so clear. You know, he's a good God. He's always good. He's a wonderful God, good God. Hallelujah. And I just give him thanks and praise. And Father God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would fill my mouth and you'd fill my heart with your word. And Lord, it might be according to your glory, I humble myself before you right now. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name. I love that uh, song we sung. It's, let's forget about ourselves. I thought that's a, that's a good one, isn't it? You don't really hear many songs like that sung too much in churches. <laughs> let's forget about ourselves. Well, that's the problem. We'd enter the ble- we enter more of the blessing when we forget about ourselves. It's the hardest thing sometimes, though, to forget about yourself. <laughs> isn't it? Let's be honest. I've said it for myself. It's hard to forget about you, isn't it? You always think about you all the time. But the blessing of God isn't, isn't in thinking about you. In, the blessing of God is thinking about him. It's about him. And that's when you're blessed. It's, it's a bit of an oxymoron, but it works and it's true. If we can just forget about ourselves, concentrate on him and worship him. I love that. Praise the Lord. Um, we're in 1 Kings today. One Kings. And we're going to be going at 18, but not straight away, because I want to give you a bit of, little bit of a background um, up until this point, chapter 18, where we'll probably start. Um, but Israel have a king, and he's not very good. He's an evil king. He's really bad. It says uh, in the scriptures that it says no one has done more evil than Ahab. And this is the king we're talking about in previous years. He's a very wicked man. Done evil before the Lord. And um, he, he, he fell into this worship of Baal. And he built an altar in Samaria. In Samaria. So it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty um, 
Not, not a nice guy. And you'll find that this resulted, his actions of worshipping this, this idol, he created a, a wooden image, a graven image of, his, uh, of, his, of this god on some wood. And um, he led the, the children of Israel astray. So they were going through a pretty, pretty tough time at this point of time here. But it, this resulted in Elijah um, proclaiming a drought. Over, over the land. So there was this drought. I think it lasted for about three and a half years. So Israel, had, we're, we're in the middle of this drought. And uh, Israel, um, Elijah was pretty much on his own at this point. You know, he was on his own. And um, Elijah said that it, was only, it would only be at his word that this, this drought would, would end. It would, it would completely end. But it, the drought was a result of this man... This man's actions, and he, was, he had turned away. He had turned away from the Lord. He had, he had turned away from his commandments. And he had followed um, Baal, and he had this type of worship, which was detestable in the, in the, in the eyes of God. Um, and we pick up just quickly uh, at 18, and it says here, And it came to pass, this is chapter 18 in 1 Kings, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah, in the third year, saying, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Praise the Lord. So this is God's word to Ahab. Now, Ahab didn't, I'm sorry, this is God's word to Elijah, and Elijah didn't have any more uh, detail than that, I don't believe, from what I can read in the scriptures. That was the word. He didn't have a, um, an instruction manual of how this was going to figure out or anything like that, but he had the word of the Lord. And you've got to realise this geezer, Ahab, had been searching out Elijah at this present time. He was searching him out and he wanted to kill him. And this is why Obadiah, which was, he was um, Ahab's, um, he was under Ahab, Ahab was his, Ahab was his master. He, was, he feared the Lord because he was to bring um, Elijah before Ahab. And Ahab, you know, you can imagine the scene though, because Ahab was absolutely ruthless. He was brutal, and he wasn't a nice kind of guy. So Elijah had to confront his enemy, his arch enemy. So this was a difficult situation, you can imagine, can you? And if we can pick up in uh, eighteen twenty, verse twenty, it says this: So Ahab sent all, for all the children of Israel and gathered all the prophets together on Mount Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? So this was a confrontation here, because Ahab, as I said, had turned aside from the Lord's commands. He'd start to worship, he was worshipping Baal, and um, there, was, there was trouble in the land. So here we pick up, and it says in verse 21, and Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left as a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So Elijah is outnumbered. He's on his own. Not entirely on his own. God was with him. Just to throw that in, that's, that's a big plus. 
That's the biggest, that's the biggest plus you ever have. You, know, you may have a lot of people against you, but if the Lord is with you, amen. amen. There were a lot of men against this man. He was on his own. And sometimes with the call of God, sometimes you've got to go on your own. Like we have each other, but the call is on, you're on your own with God. You've got to go with what God has given you. And this is the important part. Even if there's opposition, even if there's things against you, like this is his nemesis. This is the nemesis to Israel, really. What he had done was horrific. That now he had to obey the Lord, he went with the Lord, he went according to his word, and he had to confront this guy who was doing all these abominable things. So here he is, there's all these people, there's 450 men of these Baal's prophets, these false prophets, Baal's prophets, and Elijah is coming before him. And he throws out the challenge, and this is the challenge, you see. This is the showdown. And he says, therefore, let us give us two bulls and let us choose one bull for themselves, cut it into pieces and lay it on wood. Put no fire under it and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood. But put no fire under it. Then you will call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So this, this is it. This is where, this, you know, the one that answers by fire, he is God. This is the evidence. This is going to be the demonstration to all of Israel because it says here previously, why do you falter between two opinions? There was in this indifferent state, this, this state of compromise. And really the state of compromise led them down a road of false bow worship. You see? The thing is, there's no middle ground in this situation at all. The middle ground belongs to the enemy of our soul, you see. And they were faltering between two opinions. Do you see what I'm saying? So it led them down this false, this false worship. But Elijah sends out this, 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 um, this challenge to their God, the God of Baal. And if we could just pick up... Hang on, let's still go down. Um... And you can see that the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So they were in some kind of... A, they were in an agreement. And as you continue to read down, you'll see that the, that the, the people uh, that was worshipping Baal, they would, they would call out to Baal, they would shout out and try to get him to answer their calls and their cries. And they'd end up hitting themselves, they were hitting themselves, and there was, there was blood gush, gushing from them, and there was no answer. There was absolutely no answer. It says here... There was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. All the crying, all the shouting, it actually left them with no... There was no answer, because this God was no God. It was a pagan God, it was no God. It's only the God of Israel that answers, that calls. Hallelujah. So if we carry on, let's carry on. So we see that... um, Elijah sets up, sets up the altar, he starts to build the altar back up again and he puts the ball, he cuts the ball and he lays it on the wood and he fills four pots of water and pours the water on the burnt sacrifice on the wood um, and he done that three times and they did it a third time and it says in verse 35, so the water ran all round the altar 
and it filled the trench of water. And in 36, verse 36, it says, And it came to pass at that time, the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, The Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day, this is his prayer, that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things according to your word. So you had to go out according to the word of God. And he had to build this altar, and he built this altar, and it's important, this is very important, this, because there's really important principles here. That when we go out and when we build, we build according to the word of the Lord. We're not building our own empire, we're not building even our own church. We're building according to the word of the Lord. And there's a work to be done, but it's a work of faith. And it's not a work of your flesh. Sometimes you have to build the altar before God demonstrates his power amongst us. We want the power of the Lord, but there's some work to be done. And there's a sacrifice to be given. Amen. So it says here, hear me, O Israel, hear me, that this, that this people may know that you are the Lord your God. So there had to be a demonstration of his power to convince these hard-hearted, idolatrous people. Had to be a conv- you know, they had to be convinced by something. They were so into this stuff that it had blinded their hearts and blinded their minds. Even though they had all the treasures and all the things that pertained to the kingdom of God. It was all written down for them. All the commandments was already given to them, but they had strayed. And it says here, let you, so that they would know that you are God and that you, that, sorry, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. So this was the goal, wasn't it? That God would restore his people and they would turn back to the God of Israel. And that's God's goal through the Old Testament because we often think of the judgment and the fire of God and all the things and all the bad things. But God's goal was that he would have his people and he would have a people to himself that were far away from this corruption that was around in the world, from the contamination of the world. It was always to bring them back to a position of blessing and his goodness. There was an intention to restore his people. It was never to destroy his people, but it was to restore his people. God's will is for good and not for bad. Even through the Old Testament. It's always to bring his people back to himself. Amen. So here you see, he he calls out on the name of the Lord. He calls out, and in 38 it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Hallelujah. And the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. There's no one. There's no one else that can answer like this God. Like this God. And there's no one else that can answer your, in your life like our God. It's the same one. Praise the Lord. He is our God. So this is the spiritual showdown. Elijah's on his own. There's all the prophets of Baal. Now you can imagine what they were feeling at this time. 
because he goes on and he actually just, he says, seize them because they might escape. And he executes all them according to the law, which is in Exodus that was given. So he executes them all. But the Lord demonstrates his power. Amen. Now, in this case, it was a demonstration of judgment. Hallelujah. So that's the immediate context that we're talking about. But the principles apply today. That if we're going to build something, it has to be according to his word. Amen? And like I said earlier, the life of a Christian, we need to be in a position where we're continually putting ourselves on that altar so that the demonstration of his power may be working through our lives. Hallelujah. So that God's power may be seen and demonstrated and people will turn around and say the Lord he is God the Lord he is God there has to be a building by faith by faith and there has to be a sacrifice and the sacrifice is our lives there's no getting out of it it's our lives but we can flip this story around 360 degrees and we can say we do have another sacrifice and his name is Jesus Jesus is our sacrifice. Hallelujah. The Bible says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to the one who gave himself as a living sacrifice. Hallelujah. You can't do one without the other. No matter how hard you try to live the Christian life and to surrender your life to Jesus, it will be so almost impossible until you see that he's laid his life down for you. When you see that he's laid his life down for you, the response is to throw your life onto him. When you get a glimpse of the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who gave his life for every single one of us, you throw your crowns at his free and bow your knee to the king of glory. The Bible says that your life is not your own, but you've been brought with a great high price. Hallelujah. God wants to demonstrate his power through his people. Hallelujah. And this, this story here was right, this was right at the end of this. This is the very beginning of the restoration of Israel. Because as you continue to read, um, you hear this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful phrase here in 41. It says this, Then Elijah said to Ahab, after he had taken all the false prophets and executed them, he said, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. Now, this is the restoration. This is the end of the drought. Where there'd been idolatry, where there'd been um, this false worship, where there'd been all these detestable practices go on. God demonstrated his power. The people turned back to God. Now, this is how it should work. Amen. This is the gospel, if you didn't realize. This is the, go- this is the gospel. There's a type and a shadow of Jesus here. And then God restores the people and he provides rain on the ground. Hallelujah. And often when we think of rain, we think it's, it's often, t- often um, it's a type of God's blessing and God's spirit being poured out 
on his people because they've gone, they went astray. And now they've turned back and they're confessing the Lord. He is God. Amen. Wonderful picture of Jesus here. But here, you see, in this sacrifice, in this sacrifice, it was completely consumed. This sacrifice, by the judgment of God, it consumed everything. Hallelujah. It consumed everything. This judgment here, it consumed everything. But when we look at Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, he was broken on the cross, but he still remained. Hallelujah. He still remained there. Hallelujah. He consumed all of our sin. He consumed the cup of God's wrath on the cross. He consumed the cup of God's wrath on the cross. He consumed all of our sin. Totally. Completely. Hallelujah. The Bible says that mercy, mercy is greater than judgment. And the mercy that is found in Jesus Christ was greater than the judgment that was poured upon him on that cross. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Can you see the type there? There's a type of God consuming sin completely. Destroyed wickedness. And then people had to be executed and Jesus had to die for the gospel to come into effect. Jesus had to die. It says in the Bible, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God. It's not of works that no man can boast. That it's the gift, the free gift of salvation. Hallelujah. You can never be more righteous than the righteousness that has been placed upon you because of the righteous one. That is Christ. That one man has made you righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may make mistakes, you may struggle, you may fail in areas, but God declares you righteous not because of what you're doing, but because of the sacrifice of the sinless saviour. All sin was transferred onto him. And he consumed it all on the cross. And his death paid for it all. And the Bible says that we're raised. Hallelujah. We're raised and he was raised for our justification. Hallelujah. Which means you've been raised. Hallelujah. You've been raised. Where is your sin? Gone. Because it stayed on that cross. Hallelujah. It stayed on that cross. It can no longer, it can no longer be held against any of us. Hallelujah. So here's the end of the drought. And here's what I see as a picture of the gospel of God pouring out his Holy Spirit. Once the sacrifice has dealt with sin. And there's a picture here of Pentecost. Hallelujah. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. But I was reading it the other day and I thought, wow. Yeah, it's there. I can see that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The sacrifice of God demonstrates his power. Amen. Amen. And the sacrifice of our lives, God will demonstrate his power through that sacrifice. Hallelujah. In return, praise the Lord. It's so good. It's so good. The sacrifice of Jesus, hallelujah, is greater than the judgment of sin. Jesus consumed it all, hallelujah, on that cross that day. I praise the Lord 
for saving me. And I praise the Lord for saving you. Hallelujah. We praise you, Father, for all that you have done for us. And we humble ourselves, we humble our lives before you. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. In the scripture, it speaks about God as being an all-consuming fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.